to episode 41 of Frank Reactions, the show where we help you profit from the digital era through better customer experiences online and off. My name's Tema Frank. Part of what got me over my fear of launching a podcast back in 2012 was reading a comment by a longtime podcaster who said, you never look back on your first episode with pride, just get started. Well, there's no question that I'm a more relaxed interviewer now and that the sound quality is improved, although I'm still struggling with that, as you probably know. But I am still totally proud of the content from my very first podcast interview and what my guest, Jeff Booth, who's the CEO of a company called Build Direct, had to say then is as true now as it was then. So I've decided to re-release it today. As you probably know by now, because I've been talking about it a bit, I'm writing a book about how people matter more than ever in the digital era. Now, when you hear me say that, odds are you either think of how companies treat their employees or how they treat their customers. And no question, those are both crucial. But we often forget about how companies treat their suppliers. And that's every bit as important. What's so cool about Build Direct was that it started from wanting to solve a customer problem, the delays and high prices and uncertainty in getting building supplies. But what they realized was that in doing that, it also meant solving a supplier problem. You see, in the building industry, suppliers, these were manufacturers of building supplies, were often small companies that could be located anywhere in the world, And most of them had no real marketing staff or expertise and no particular international networks. So the result was they were at the mercy of a cumbersome network of distributors. Jeff Booth realized that to solve his customer problems, these problems of, you know, uncertainty and high prices and delays in when they get their supplies, in order to solve those problems, the best answer was to go straight to manufacturers and take away their problem of getting their product to the end customer of the distribution problem. In this interview, you'll hear about the hurdles in changing the processes and supplier relationships in this very complex industry. I'm happy to say that Build Direct has continued rapid, massive growth. According to a Forbes article from December of 2014, 55% of their customers are now repeats or referrals. Their warehouse inventory was expected to be at around $60 million by early 2015, and they are still growing quickly thanks to paying attention to both their customers and their suppliers. There's a lot of great stuff in this interview. I hope you'll enjoy it, and we'll chat briefly at the end. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks. Can you tell me a little bit about your business and how it works? We're an online wholesaler of building materials. We try to to simplify the building industry, remove costs, and bring uh, bring products to market a, a, a lot more cost-effective. Buyers save up to 80% on their products. Were there other wholesalers doing this sort of thing online when you got started? I would say there was a lot of online chatter. A lot of money went into this business. Uh, we've been around since 99. I think the numbers were over a billion dollars went into trying to crack the code of online commerce for building supplies because it's such a big wow. category. So you could see there was an opportunity there, but we thought everyone else had it wrong. So we kind of stayed stayed quite small. 
iterating, iterating, iterating um, until uh, until we could really deliver a, a value proposition to the customers and, and break out. Um, I would say we stayed under the radar back in uh, in the 99, 2000 days. Uh, most people would have said we were insane that it was all <laughs> it was all wrapped up already. <laughs> So what do you think the others were doing wrong and that you ultimately got right? I think building products is such a complex business. Most online commerce today works around digital goods or under 150 pounds. And under 150 pounds work is because they can outsource their, the delivery component to UPS or FedEx. Mm-hmm. Um, in building materials, uh, inherently heavy, uh, heavy products, fragmented, delivered from all over the world, all the loads are over 150 pounds. So there is no UPS or FedEx for over 150 pounds. We had to actually create that. So most of the online businesses at the time were, were actually morphed from project management companies. And in the building industry specifically, project management would say, if my drywall becomes two days late, my painters need to come two days late. To drive that into a product strategy and source products, that means you have to have every product of every local distributor in the network. And if you did that, you don't actually remove any costs, you add cost. Why I think they didn't work is there was no lasting value proposition for buyers. They didn't actually do anything that, that helped a buyer. So how did you figure out how to make it work? What are you doing that makes it work? Why did we think we were right? In in the beginning, I, I had a construction company. And what, what started this business was actually a big problem. I, uh, um, I was building a house for a client. The flooring didn't arrive on time, and I chased it. I had to put the people up in a hotel and the furniture in storage, and I was so mad at the process. And I was uh, So <laughs> yeah. it started out of a problem. And trying to find the solution to that problem, I remember I was in this business every day, and I thought, this is crazy. If it's this hard for me and nobody can give me an answer, how does the end buyer have a chance? Out of that problem, we set out to develop a solution that would simplify this industry. We knew in simplifying the industry, we could also remove a ton of cost and, and in other words, savings for the customers. But it was really about a bigger ideal to simplify and, and help customers. I'm still a little unclear on what it is then that you did differently or what it is how you're doing it differently to make it work. So the industry has has up to five layers of distribution. And so okay. my challenge back in that uh, that time is every person I talked to who sold the product to the next person in the chain couldn't give me an answer where the product was. So everyone was uh-huh. taking their piece of the pro- uh, of cost on the way through touching that product and it just ended up with a lot of confusion. Buyers can see this confusion today and in the building industry, it's one of the only industries that you have to go f- try to find an expert that hopefully you can trust and and then almost without exception you have to double your budget and double the time of completion. That's the problem in the industry that we're trying to remove from the industry. We're trying to simplify this so everybody has the answers. Um, It's transparent. It's clean. It's simple. Mrs. Jones could come to the site, find her answers, and get far better costs than anyone else could. So then what you've done is you've made it possible to track where the stuff is as it works its way through the system. Is that correct? We've created a new system. So instead of touching okay. five people, it doesn't touch it. It goes directly from manufacturer to the customer. That's where the dramatic cost savings. Was it technology that made it possible then for you to eliminate all those middlemen? Technology, certainly, because of the Internet processing ability to be able to create this logistic system and, and do on-the-fly calculations to where the product should be shipped from in the works. 
Why did it work the other way? Uh, because without technology, <laughs> I would say it didn't work the other way. Why was it allowed to work the other way for so long? Um, yeah. Scale. Uh, scale. So the large players in this industry had the scale in this industry and would keep the industry the way it is. And most of most of the manufacturers um, are are very small. People think they're large. So it, it's a very fragmented industry. Let's say you're a manufacturer and you're in Turkey. How do you find buyers of your product in the U.S. or Canada or any state in the U.S.? You hire an export agent in Turkey to do the delivery to an import agent in, in the United States. That import agent then sells it to a distributor, maybe a national distributor, who sells it to a regional distributor, who sells it to a retail store, who sells it to a subcontractor, who sells it to the end buyer. Wow. Um, this is why things never work on time. Now I get it. <laughs> exactly. So in our model, the manufacturer in Turkey runs their entire business worldwide through our system. They don't go to trade shows anymore. We hired their last remaining salesperson. All they do is focus on, on manufacturing the best quality product they can manufacture, and we run the rest of their supply chain. Um, so all of those touches, all of that waste in between and, and cost to the manufacturer to do what they did before is gone from the system. That's, that's amazing. The, that's the, so do you have other competitors now that are doing something pretty similar? It, it surprises me to say no. People do the easy work. They, they take the low-hanging low fruit. It's easy to create a website, easy to get a whole bunch of local supply on that website because those buyers need more eyeballs on the, those products. To do the hard work, to actually change a channel, how few people will really do the hard work. So if our goal was, it wasn't make money. It felt egregious to me that this industry worked like this. It was so nagging that, that I had to fix it. And I say I had to, we had to fix it. The uh, um, And our entire team is driven by removing that pain for uh, for buyers. So How many we people do you have on your staff? 80 now. I saw you're hiring. <laughs> you're at 80. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be hiring them another, within three months, we'll have another 30 people. That's fantastic. What sorts of challenges have you faced in getting it set up and, and making it work? <laughs> Lots, both internal and external. When you have dreams as big as this, long-term dreams as big as this, I would say early on, we underestimated the, the challenges mm-hmm. and the market, and people underestimated our ability to solve them. We underestimated what it would take to, to change this, change this channel from a logistics delivery standpoint, from a having manufacturers sign up and sell the products, to us take title to those goods, but, uh, but sell the products to that, the delivery component, quality components. Were, were the manufacturers concerned that you wouldn't be able to sell as much as they could on their own or what? Where were the concerns uh, from that uh, end? I would say early on it was a channel it was a channel conflict. So all of their sales went through a different channel. And we said we were yeah. going to sell against that channel. And so on the web, the same product would be available for less than half the price, a lot less than half the price. You can imagine the backlash that the manufacturers heard from from where all their sales were early on. Yes, there must have been. You're saying most of the manufacturers are actually fairly small because I'm Mm -hmm. imagining there must have been quite a backlash uh, from all these middlemen. How did that play out? That was a learning process for us as well. In some cases, uh, we set up our own private label to reduce that backlash for the manufacturers. So it would be manufactured, created under a brand for us. But in in some cases, manufacturers backed out because because of that. I would say that's the ones that stayed in. Eventually, we ended up doing and still do all of their sales. 
so it, it just uh, turned over. And funny enough, some of the manufacturers that would have originally been in, in the ecosystem are now out of business. So the ones that supported the other channel are largely gone. Well, it's certainly it's been an inefficient kind of process, and you're helping to make it more efficient. You're ending up essentially selling the products that these manufacturers produce. Who do you sell mm -hmm. those to? You sell them to builders, to say uh, almost a Costco of building materials. And okay. where where Costco will sell 24 cans of Coca-Cola, <laughs> but if you wanted one can of Coca-Cola, you'd go to a corner store who likely bought that Coca-Cola from Costco. Yes, we're very very similar to that model, an online version of that model. So. If people meet the minimum order size, we'll sell to anybody who meets the minimum order size. And the minimum order size is, is set product by product determined and determined by what's the most efficient amount to deliver from our locations. So does that mean that you end up largely having to deal with chains of builders who... No, no. I would say a lot of DIYers buy our products. Lots of DIYers. Really? It actually, it, it's actually an interesting way that the business works. DIYers first buy our uh, products because the savings are so compelling and the volume that they need to buy. If they're doing, um, if somebody's buying one box of flooring, it's just more efficient to go to a big box and, and and buy that flooring there. But if they're doing a room or two rooms or or a floor, then it's just the the savings are compelling. That's why I use a Costco example. But then what ends up happening is a lot of times if they don't install it themselves, they hire a subcontractor to install mm -hmm. it. And when that subcontractor sees the value and what they paid for it, they're blown away and they start buying <laughs> it for all their other projects. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you see future growth coming in? Where, What are sort of your plans growing the company now? Well, now we're almost doubling, um, and that's in, in a market that's really poor. So last year we grew about 50%, so 2010 to 2011. This year it's growing fast, so much faster than that, and we expect the next year to grow a, a lot faster than it is this year. We're in a big category, and we have very limited products in that big category. So it's adding more and more products to help our, uh, what our buyers are looking for, all under mm -hmm. the same model. So, it, so w what do we think? We think it's a, we think it's an Amazon.com size company. We think it's a very big company. Yeah, it sounds like the potential is absolutely there for that. Do you have venture capital financing, or have you looked at that at all? We just raised sixteen million dollars through Omer's uh, private equity. Ooh. So. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. So that was uh, last week. That's very exciting. I mean, I can really see this see this growing. So when, in terms of your website, you're using it to showcase the products that people can buy and, and take orders. Is that correct? That's right. Do you also use the website as a way to find new manufacturers and get them into the fold? Finding the manufacturers used to be a very time-consuming process where we would be selling them on why this would work. It's completely inverted, and I've been. That's a great. Uh, it's a great question, and that's it, that's effectively what's happening. So now the demand from manufacturers to join this ecosystem, this platform, it's almost overwhelming. Wow. It's because yeah. the manufacturers are selling so much of their goods. The, the ones that are in this ecosystem are winning despite the market being down. It really is a win-win for the manufacturers and for the buyers. Uh, manufacturers are getting scale and they get a lot less gross margin, but they have a lot less cost in their business. And that's what the buyers are saving to drive. So so those manufacturers just focus on, on making quality products. Maybe that's why the growth is getting faster and faster despite the market. The system produces better and better results all the time. 
Well, and also, I guess the initial fears about whether or not it would work have now been dealt with because they see that you've been in business for a while and it is working. Right. But just as important um, is, uh, so we go after manufacturers that can deliver, that can produce high, high quality products for for the for the best price consistently. Right. But where it really works, and we can see it in all the customer data, that we just have evangelists of the brand that buy more and more and refer us business. That part is just exploding. And it, this feeds back to, to what you were talking about, why others didn't work and why this is working. When you do great things for your customers, when you do a great thing in the market, people notice. People tell that story. And the Internet is largely frictionless. So mm-hmm. if you're doing a poor job, that it's internet's frictionless too. <laughs> People will notice. <laughs> um, yeah. So so why the growth in the business? It, it's the growth in customers, and it's it's winning. It, it's actually solving that pain point and that that we originally set out to solve. The growth in the numbers is just a reflection of really happy customers. Clearly, at this point, a lot of that growth then is a word of mouth thing. In the earlier days, what sorts of techniques were you using to reach your customers or potential um, customers? Mostly, and, and it still is today, it would be online channel exclusively. So PPC, organic, banner ads, but that would be largely the marketing. Are there any particular techniques online or or outlets online that you found more effective than others? I think we do a really good job in organic. Google and the search engines, they actually truly want to provide great content for their users. And so do we. So we create great content to help our buyers understand the process and the products really granularly. And and, and as a result, Google ranks our our site really high on virtually all the keywords. A lot of people go and try and game that system and go and hire link builders and uh, in India and try and game the system. And there's <laughs> constant constant game in the Google organic rankings. Um, we've yeah. taken, a, again, a long-term play on this and just what do our customers need? They need product expertise and great quality content to help them. And when we do that, uh, the byproduct is good search, search rankings. I think you're quite right. I mean, I read lots of those articles about, you know, the various SEO tactics and link building and stuff, and people get all upset when Google changes its algorithm, but the reality is Google is trying to get you to the effective results. So exactly. if you're providing valuable content, and then you should run. They need, they, they, need, they need to keep changing their algorithms because of all the people game, trying to game the system. Yes, absolutely. So how how many people work on your e-marketing then at this stage? With merchandising, adding products to the site, uh, our marketing team is 12. Do you have any suggestions or advice that you would offer to others who are thinking of taking something that didn't used to be really done online and, and turning it into an online-focused business? <laughs> Get ready for a war. It's a broad question. I see the future uh, in a future world that most business is transacted online, but it only happens if the online companies provide value and a lot more value than a retail store would. So if I was somebody looking at that in any industry today, that would be my first question. Can I provide that much more value to to buyers or whoever my constituent was? Can I provide that much more value by doing it online? If it's just another website, I wouldn't do it. And then to provide that much value, so to provide that much value in a big industry that's untapped online, it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so just going back for a minute, in terms of the logistics, so you're saying you basically replace the UPS or FedEx or whatever, so you're doing the actual pickup and delivery and getting it through customs? Yeah, yeah we do all that. We've, we contract that to freight carriers, but I, say, I wouldn't say we replace UPS or FedEx. We're, we developed a system that does what UPS or FedEx does for overweight items, over 150 pounds. So our system okay. uh, contract with different carriers for all of those different uh, modes of travel. But UPS um, is largely effective and FedEx largely effective under 150 pounds. Over 150 right. pounds, they don't carry the goods. So you are still subcontracting to actually get them delivered, but because you're the one who's dealing with it from the manufacturer's doorstep to you, you're able to track where it is? And, and that scale, because we're giving so much volume to our carriers. Right. So it doesn't just it doesn't just scale from one manufacturer. Every manufacturer into the ecosystem drives cost out of the freight. It then mm-hmm. gets transferred to every other manufacturer to make their products more competitive in the market. That's very cool. I, I'm so excited to have met you and talked to you because I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful. It's long overdue in that business. I suspect there are a <laughs> lot of you. other efficiencies in the home building process still to be had. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Tama. One thing that didn't come out in the interview, because it's really happened over the last couple of years, is a new element that helps both suppliers and customers. And that is the company is mining real-time big data to predict inventory needs. And because of that, they can even advise the manufacturers about strategic changes that will help them become more profitable based on what people are looking at on Build Direct's website, the free samples that they're ordering from the company, and on sales trend data. Build Direct has a much better idea not only of figuring out what they need to buy and keep in stock, but they can let suppliers know where they should be focusing their efforts, both in terms of what products to make, and in what geographic locations they should be partnering so that they can display their products. So it ends up being a win-win all around for the suppliers, for Build Direct, and for the end customers. Really, the only folks who don't win are the layers of middlemen who used to drive up prices and provide more opportunities for shipments to get delayed or your reno or new home to fall behind schedule. So overall, a good change in the industry. And it's really thrilling to see that company continuing to do so well. That's all for today's episode. As always, I would love to get your feedback, your suggestions for people you'd like me to interview or topics you'd like us to touch on. You can reach me by email, Tema, T-E-M as in marketing, A, at frankreactions.com, by telephone, toll free at 1-866-544-9262, on Twitter, where I'm simply at Tema Frank, and on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. So I would love to hear from you. And I would also be totally thrilled if you would take a moment to go over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Or even if you would just tell your friends and contacts and colleagues about this podcast, that would be totally wonderful. Thanks so much. And we'll chat again next week. Bye.